Today I'm talking to Father Donald Calloway, MIC, author of The Chaste Heart of St. Joseph, a graphic novel. Father, thanks for being with us today. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having me. Very, very honored to be with you. Yeah. So clearly you love St. Joseph. Tell mm. us how this got started. How did you first come to love St. Joseph? You know what's kind of funny is um, all throughout seminary, I really went to him a lot to ask him to help me just with my vocation in general, with, you know, the particular wounds that I had from the past to help me to be a good man and and to help me with my studies, too. Um, so when I looked back on dates uh, dealing with my conversion to Catholicism, I did not realize that when I first went to a Catholic church, the day was March 19th. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at that time, those things didn't mean anything to me. I didn't know about Catholic feast days and such. But years later, when I realized that, I thought to myself, oh, my goodness, you know, St. Joseph, by divine providence, has kind of been with me from the beginning here. And so, yeah, there's a lot there. And, and then, as I said, just throughout the years in seminary and now as a priest for almost 20 years, I've just said simple prayers to him every day, asking for intercession, and, and he has helped me tremendously. And that, that sounds like something that—I mean, you had a rather spectacular conversion, as anyone who has read your book or seen seen any of your talks knows. But but I think that some of the things you talked about just there are, are really common for men in the Church today, that mm. just help being a man, help healing your understanding of what it means to be a man compared mm. to what the culture teaches you. Talk yeah. about the importance of St. Joseph in the life of the Church, especially today. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, the times in which we live, there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of um, people don't know what definitions of things are anymore, like what is marriage? What is a woman? What is a man? And so I think right now that the Holy Spirit is really offering us an opportunity to get back to the basics, to get back to things in the past, I think, that were taken for granted. But with the what I call the anthropological crises happening today, um, I think St. Joseph is being given to us as a model of what a, a good man is, of what a true man is, a, a good father, a good husband, one who's not overbearing, one who doesn't use his strength and authority to harm others in any way, but to be of service, to you know give everything for those that he loves. And I think that's a really critical thing that's needed today for, for families, for men, uh, in these times, mm -hmm. yeah, and it and it's amazing how timeless he is. I mean, he was a he was a father and a worker two thousand years ago, and yet somehow his his example is somehow more relevant than ever before in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, that's really incredible. And and for ordinary folk, not just for the theologians or the historians or the scholars, but for your average Catholic. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And that's I think that's one of the big appeals is. He appeals to everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, you. It doesn't really matter what your particular vocation is, um, and he's always on the winning team. You know how a lot of men we tend to gravitate towards teams and yeah. sports, which is great, and and we'll wear the jersey of of our team, and and then you know when maybe our team is doing bad in the season, we take the jersey off. We're embarrassed, like ah, yeah, what's going on here? But we don't have to do that with Saint Joseph. Yeah. You know, he's <laughs> we can always know that um he's he's with us and he's he's gonna he's gonna help us yeah yeah and he 
he teaches us through his son as well, through Jesus, that, mm. that when we see Jesus, we see Joseph, as you talk about consecration to St. Joseph. Mm. Um, what what does that mean that he was a righteous man, that he was a model even for the Son of God? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to, to think about because, um, you know, he in his divinity, Jesus doesn't need to be like anybody or imitate anybody. He's yeah. God. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in his when he took on human nature, um, he did grow like all children grow and develop. Mm-hmm. And and he looked to St. Joseph as a model for what it meant to be a good man, to to be respectful, to be to to be dignified and to to work hard so that, you know, reality that. In his human um, nature, Jesus looked to St. Joseph as a model mm-hmm. of virtue, as a model of manhood, of you know, working hard, putting in a good day's labor, and treating others with respect and dignity. And on some level, you could say, on, on Jesus' human level, he wanted to be like Joseph. He, he imitated him, just like all boys imitate their dads. And yeah. that's really extraordinary, because that's something I don't think we've thought about too much in regard to Joseph and Jesus. And um, I think that's wonderful because today, you know, um, there's a lot of examples given in fatherhood where maybe, you know, the vices are shown and and look at their dad and they're like, well, I don't want to imitate that. I think for fathers today, they can look to St. Joseph and and realize, you know what, I need to be more like St. Joseph because if if Jesus wanted to be like him, you know, my son wants to be like me. Maybe I need to step up my game here and really be a good man, you know, give a good example. Yeah. So WWJD could be, what would Joseph do as well as <laughs> what would Jesus do? I like it. I hadn't thought of that. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I I find it really encouraging that you have, I mean, Mary, Mary is great, but also a little untouchable as the Immaculate Conception. Whereas Joseph started off just like the rest of us began. He didn't have that special grace of the Immaculate Conception. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's something hopeful that that even someone who kind of starts from the same starting point as we do can become the model in his humanity for the Son of God. Um, mm-hmm. And he was a guy. <laughs> right, right. I yeah, I know. Especially we know that, that women are often more religious than men. We know that women are often more faithful and honestly probably more virtuous and sometimes mm-hmm. even better people than men. And right. so having Joseph be kind of the pinnacle of the saints below Mary is is hopeful for me, I think. <laughs> yeah, me too, brother. It's, and it's funny because um, something extraordinary about St. Joseph is that, you know, he's such a great saint. And yet, you know, he wasn't a pope. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a bishop. He wasn't a martyr by blood, you know, yeah. those kind of things. And yet he appeals to everyone. Um and that's that's really amazing. So yeah, I think that's that's part of his why he's been declared patron of yeah. the universal church of everybody. Yeah, and we need him now more than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not just as a model; it's also his active intercession, which I think a lot of Protestants, especially, can't even begin to imagine that there's kind of an ongoing role for Joseph or, or for any of the saints. Talk a little about that, about the importance of asking for Joseph's, not just looking to Joseph as a model, but also asking for his help these days. Right. Yeah. You know, you think about it, um, you know, Jesus loves Joseph so much. You know, he loved him 2,000 years ago, and he continues to love him in heaven. And so when St. Joseph 
makes an appeal, intercedes on behalf of us here for particular needs, um, it really does get the ear, so to speak, of Jesus. Because when Jesus, even now in heaven, when he hears a petition from Joseph, he's still hearing it from the voice of his earthly father, the man who took care of him and provided for him and 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 took care of his mother, of, of Joseph's bride. And so that's extraordinary because, you know, we can't really intercede that way, you know, you, I, or anybody else. We, we can't say to Jesus' son, you know, we can't yeah. call him our son, but Joseph can. And that's, that's an extraordinary paternal ability to intercede. And that has power, just like Our Lady, you know, as a mother, she has that as well. Um, that's extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And so I think we need to tap into that. We need to ask him to help us. And, and uh, it gives us a, a, a little more, um, I don't know what you'd say, maybe a, a, a little more oomph, yeah. a little more power to the petition. Absolutely. So let's talk about some of the challenges specifically that we're facing today. We're facing this crisis of family life. How is Joseph uh, a great help in answering that crisis of family life? Yeah, you know, one of the ways I've thought about that is if you look at in the litany of St. Joseph, you, we find his official titles that the church has given him. And I have to say, you know, when I really went through that litany, I was in awe of some of those titles because they're not titles that I generally would associate with men mm-hmm. And in particular, fathers or husbands. So, for example, he's called the pillar of families. He's called the glory of domestic life. You know, generally, I think I would associate, I would hear those and might think, well, that's mom, that's that's mother. But, you know, it really is a dad to to hold things up like a pillar in the family, to to strengthen, fortify it, to give it grounding. Um, and then to be that glory of domestic life, too, I think that points to, you know, a dad has his work, whatever it may be, but his home life is vital to the family too. And so, you know, he wants to avoid being a workaholic and he's just coming home and just basically sleeping there and then going back to work. No, you want to spend time with, you know, your your wife and your children and and be that glory for them and and, and present to them. I think I think that's great for for men to look to today in in their particular family situation. Okay. And then gender identity. I mean, the Pope has been talking about gender identity as this ideological colonization and this terrible thing. Um, the bishops just came out with a document addressing the, trans- the transgender push. Um, yep. How is St. Joseph an answer to some of this confusion over gender identity? Right. Yeah, I think, again, I mean, people are looking for direction. They're looking for answers. That's why we have this, I think, problem today is – there is a lot of ideological, you know, colonization out there and different ideas and people, you know, the bigger your voice is, the more you're heard. And sometimes, um, well, if we look to St. Joseph, we see that there is a beautiful complementarity and difference between the sexes. So he's a, a man and he, you know, served those in his care with great love and sacrifice not looking for reward, not looking to be acknowledged, and he did it out of love. And I think that today, you know, everybody seems to want to be recognized and get a reward and to claim rights to anything and everything. Well, 
St. Joseph was just a simple man who did his daily duties and tasks, and yet it was because of his assistance, his humble servant leadership assistance that got our Lord and Our Lady to where they ultimately needed to be, Mm -hmm. which was at the foot of the cross to, you know, bring about our salvation. So we needed a lot more men like Joseph, humble, quiet, good workers, loving, sacrificial, you know, that I think part of the issue today with that gender ideology is a lot of people, unfortunately, have been hurt by men. Mm -hmm. They've been you know, either emotionally, physically, or sexually, they've been wounded by men who used their masculinity in the wrong way. And, I, you know, you don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater, so we don't want to get rid of manhood, but we need yeah. to make some correctives to, to, to do it right. And I think St. Joseph is the model for that. Yeah, that's fascinating that the humble strength is an answer to kind of the abuse of strength. Uh, right, which then could could lead the way to a, the humble strength could lead to a true empowerment of women and a true, yeah. true protection of women, mm-hmm. and that's that seems to really tie into an answer to the culture of death, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely, and I think that that's why a lot of people are realizing today that, like in the pro life movement, for example, mm-hmm. we've never really brought in Saint Joseph. We've we've asked him for prayers and things like that, yeah. but it's kind of important to remember that he saved Jesus when Jesus was a little baby from Herod, right? And so I think that now a lot of people are realizing, wow, we've got a big kind of spiritual weapon uh, that we haven't brought onto this battlefield for the cause of life. Um, and we need to now. We need to be invoking him and bringing him into uh, all these various aspects for the pro-life cause. That's a really interesting thought. It is, it is amazing how, how little he's been invoked. Now, talk to me about this specific project with St. Joseph. What inspired your collaboration with Samastrata? Right, yeah. Well, you know, I had seen some of his illustrations and art mm-hmm. um, in uh, several other books that he did, and I thought, wow, this guy is amazing mm-hmm. in his ability to do this. You know, I, I can't draw at all. So, um, so I had talked to him a few years ago about putting together a book when I was really um, – pushing the rosary, you know, books that I was writing. And I thought it'd be nice to do something like that. And we talked about it and it just didn't pan out. I was busy. He was busy. He was um, in the process of getting married. And so it it just didn't work out. And so Mm -hmm. then when the St. Joseph consecration of St. Joseph came out and people were asking, father, we love it, but you know, we have young children. It's a little heady for them. Um, so we put out the consecration of St. Joseph for children and families, right, for that particular group, which has been a great blessing. But even then, I thought, you know, it'd be nice to have something with pictures, something with images for kids and where they can really get involved in it. And so I contacted him and I said, hey, the, the rosary would never happen, maybe in the future, but how about St. Joseph? And he said, Father, that's a great idea. And And we went back and forth, back and forth. And yeah. And then um, he said to me, how do you want to do it? And I said, I don't know. I've never done a comic book. I've had yeah. new territory. And he said, well, it's nice to have a kind of a um, a template, like a, a, a theme or, you know, who's going to be in the book? How's it going to be structured? And so I came up with that idea of um, me being at the Shrine of Divine Mercy in Stockbridge, a family coming for Mass and then asking me a question and it just snowballed from there, and yeah, it just worked out fantastic. That's great. 
So let's go through those. You've published your big book, which is Consecration to St. Joseph. You've got that smaller book that you just mentioned, Consecration to St. Joseph for Children and Families with Scott Smith, uh, and now this graphic novel. And it, it's kind of a different age group for each, I think, right? Um, yeah. How how will that affect how people approach St. Joseph, adults, mm. kind of middle readers and kids? Right. I think, you know, it it is primarily intended for, for children, for kids, but I think adults will get a lot out of it, too. And I think the reason is because of the visual, right? There's something really neat about looking and seeing a story explained in art right in front of you. Um I don't know, like myself as well, when I read books, oftentimes I'm, I wish that I could see the book that I could see I, in my mind. I do, but yeah. it'd be nice if it was depicted in, in a visual way. So that's what I'm trying to do. And what Sam did so well with these illustrations is to draw you into, you're going to see the, the chaste heart of Joseph. You're going to see a depiction of him as a young man. You're going to see, you know, the particular saint, for example, I quote a lot of saints in the book about St. Joseph. Some people would probably be like, hmm, I wonder who that is. I've never heard of this saint. Well, we're going to aid you a little bit that and give you actually a, a cartoon image of what they look like. So kind of neat, you yeah. know. Absolutely. So. Well, I, very much in the tradition of Catholic icons of saints all across those centuries. We've mm -hmm. always enjoyed having family photos, you might say. Right. That's exactly right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Do you think there's something different though, like a, a dad reading this to his kids? Like he's he, he's approaching St. Joseph, I think, differently, almost as a peer in some ways. Mm -hmm. Can we say that? Whereas right. Kids, I think, I don't know, kids might find him a little awesome until they get to know him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, on the back, mm -hmm. I'm not sure who put it there. Maybe, maybe you did because we were coming up with the cover and the back cover. Um, at the top, it says, I think it says the ultimate superhero, the ultimate superhero. And I thought, oh, that's awesome because kids love that. I, when I was a kid, I wanted a superhero. I wanted the guy who's, who, you know, overcame the bad guys and, and saved the day and all that. Mm -hmm. And I think that when maybe a dad is going through it with his children, yeah. maybe that's the, the tone of voice that he's going to have as he reads it, or he's going to really be looking and saying like, wow, see, honey, St. Joseph really provided for, yeah. for Jesus and Mary. You know, I think that's a kind of a way that maybe a dad could approach it. Okay. Yeah. And, and inviting everybody to meet St. Joseph kind of from where they're at, mm -hmm. not, not requiring everybody to reverence is vitally important, but, but also it can kind of get in the way sometimes like these mm. people are Joseph and Mary and Jesus are supposed to be with us always, not just when mm. we're in our Sunday best at church. So mm -hmm. the graphic novel, I mean, this this really does seem to lend itself to kind of story time at, at night as you're putting the kids to bed. Yeah. Yeah, I think it could. I really do. And I, I think that um, there is something to be said for that. It's going to appeal to people at different levels, mm -hmm. um, you know, because not to give too much away, but there's a, a few scenes in there where, you know, the kids in the story ask questions. Mm -hmm. um, well, I've heard this. What about that? And so and then even the parents um, are kind of learning with them mm -hmm. uh, as I, you know, in the book am giving some responses. But I think that it's a real teaching 
moment. And then, you know, the father, if he's reading at night with his children, he can say, isn't that interesting, you know, yeah. that uh, Father Calloway said this, and this saint, look here, says this. And mm -hmm. it's, it's almost like a little catechism of St. Joseph, but in a cartoon way. Yeah. And it's theological, you know, it, it's got mm -hmm. some theology in there, but the way that it's presented is, it's delightful. <laughs> you know, it's a cartoon. So. Okay, so parents might want to do consecration to St. Joseph for themselves before they read the graphic novel to their kids, just be prepared? Not a bad idea. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Okay. What is one crucial insight from this, from your broader projects with St. Joseph that you hope your readers walk away with? I guess I would say that he's real, because um, I think a lot of times people have thought about St. Joseph as, well, he's not that important, and um, he hasn't really played a major role. I think may, this might, it'll put a face to him mm -hmm. and a personality and I guess the reality of, wow, he was really important and yeah. he still exists and he's wants to be a part of my life and he wants to bring closer to Jesus and Mary. I'm, I'm really hoping that that, the relationship, I guess, yeah. um, is, is developed. Yeah, that he's not just a name or he's not just a, yeah. a pious statue in a corner. That That's right. The, the reality of the man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing to just to just realize how how much just the life of the church depends upon a, a rather ordinary carpenter from the Middle East. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite gem about St. Joseph from a saint or a pope? Mm. Oh, I have quite a few, but I think one that really stands out is um, from St. Jose Maria Escriva. Mm -hmm. He said, uh, basically, I'll be paraphrasing it here, that um, St. Joseph was the greatest man after Christ, but he wasn't a priest, a bishop, a pope. He was an ordinary worker mm -hmm. and lived a simple life. And, yeah. and I think he even said he was a, explicitly, he was a layman. Mm -hmm. And I, I just find that so powerful because, you know, I, the majority of men in the Catholic church are not priests or bishops mm -hmm. or a pope, right? So I think they look to guys like that really and are inspired by that. Wow, I can aspire to such great me and my I'm just a bus driver or I'm just a you know a a, a janitor or something. Yes, yes, even you. Yeah. I mean Joseph was not, you know, some guy who was greatly esteemed during his time here, but look what he did and and you can do that too. What does that look like? What does what does St. Joseph teach us as kind of the, the spirituality of ordinary life? How do you do that? Yeah, boy, that you just gave a possible title for a book. That's, that's a spirituality for ordinary life. Well, I think it's just, you know, all of us have a vocation, a call mm -hmm. to respond to God's love and to bear fruit in some way. Mm -hmm. And I think with St. Joseph, it's so ordinary. I mean, it was just being a husband and a father. It wasn't anything that really stood out. It, it, it was... He walked by people, did projects for them every day that people just thought he was another Joe, so to speak. And um, isn't that true for the majority of humanity? Mm -hmm. You know, so I think, again, it, it brings a sacredness into the ordinary. And that's I think that's important because sometimes we think that, no, nah, it's only for the nuns or for the priests or a missionary. No, no, it's for everybody. Yeah, I, I think it's really... 
it's one of the things that I think a lot of people kind of lose sight of, which is that, uh, I mean, some the extraordinary penances are can be great, and and sometimes people are called to these extraordinary lives, but mm. that the the duties of your state in life are the ordinary kind of material for sanctity, yep. and and I just I it's amazing how that feels so unreal even as I say it, right? It's true, it is true, yeah, and you know it's funny because a lot of people will say. Father, how do you maintain peace, like in your vocation, with all the craziness going on in the world and all the stuff happening? I'm just like, well, you know, I know there's stuff going on that's crazy in the world and there's confusion everywhere. I just have this little field in front of me that I need to be taking care of. I, you know, I, I can't take care of everything, and God knows that. And, and it's the same thing with Joseph, I think, is, yes, in his time, there was a lot of political issues. There was a lot of this, that, and the other, but he just dealt with the immediacy of the daily, yeah. you know, so that's important. Yeah, and and by taking care of that one little family, I mean, that was the holy family. That was font of salvation for all the rest of us. Yep. Yeah, that is one of the great things of, of the lives of the saints, just the, the sheer number of times that, you know, their cousins or their, you know, Monica and Augustine or something I hadn't known until recently. I guess St. Patrick was the nephew of Martin of Tours, which is just one of the coolest little random connections I've ever come across. Wow. And how, how the sanctity of one one member of the family matters so much to the others, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to fathers. I think right. there's stat- statistics, aren't there, about the importance of fathers in, in the faith of a family? There are. There's been, you know, like sociological studies done that, that show that um, – while it's great if the mother is the one that's kind of the initiator of the prayer, family prayers and stuff like that. Um, but there is something to say about when the father does it because the children look to the father in a way that they do differently from the mother. And when the father does it, you know, these studies have shown that when those children leave from underneath their, the roof of their parents, the likelihood of them continuing on with the practice of these pious things and going to church and being devout is quite a bit higher. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's something to be said there that when children see that pillar of the family, that glory of domestic life, you know, doing those things, it, it seems to really stick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's such an important thing for us to remember today and to, to imitate him on then. So then talk to me a little about method in this project. Why is art so important in evangelization and catechesis? Mm-hmm. What does this what does this do for your readers that just sheer text doesn't? Right. Um, yeah, I guess, like I said earlier, it, it gives a face to it. Yeah. It, it lets you visualize the scene in a way that we all kind of do that, I think, in our imagination when you read something. But here just in case there's any ambiguity, you know, you can really know what the author wants you to know because it's visualized as well. Um, And I I think that's helpful, especially for children, right? So that they can keep their attention. If it was just text, you know, they're going to be throwing Legos and wanting to take a bite of the Pop-Tart constantly, you know. But if you have the the cartoon in front of them, Mm -hmm. it it might help them to be a little more focused. Yeah, absolutely. But you've been you've been kind of working to increase the sacred art available for a while now. I mean, you've been commissioning mm-hmm. paintings for some of your different books, Champions of the Rosary, Consecration to uh-huh. St. Joseph. What 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 does that provide, do you think, that's so important? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I I guess I, I love art, even though I am not an artist per se. I, I don't have the gift of drawing and, and things. But, yeah. um, you know, when I hear a title, for example, of St. Joseph, when I hear Terror of Demons or I hear Patron of the Church, I I want a visualization of it. I want to see what does that mean? What does that look like? And so, you know, it's, I guess, up to the creativity of the artist or the person who commissioned it. Like Mm -hmm. when I commissioned artwork, I basically explained to the artist what I saw in my mind and what I would like to have them Mm -hmm. put on paper. Um, And then they fine tune it and make it better and everything. But um, I just think it adds a dimension to it. That's not just talk. It's, Mm -hmm. it's something that you behold and you can, on some level, mm-hmm. enter into, yeah. um, you know, and there's something deep there. I mean, there's a certain poetry or mystical something to art that it yeah. it really does capture you, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's practice, I suppose you could say, for the beatific vision. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, this, this kind of brings to mind that, you know, the Divine Mercy message and devotion, it's not just the diary, it's not just the prayers, it's not just the feast. There's an image. That's right. Yeah. I thought really important to have painted. Yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so even God likes art, yeah. right? So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's, it, well, I suppose it also goes back to St. Joseph as craftsman. I mean, there is something mm. kind of a, a, a direct connection there between the different forms mm. of, of creativity and and taking a thought or taking a memory and putting it into something solid. Uh, right. Right. Yeah. So, and one thing that you made certain of in some of your, your commissioned art, you've been a consistent promoter of the idea that St. Joseph was a young man when he married our mm. lady. Talk mm. to me about the importance of that. Yeah. So, you know, we don't have a definitive teaching on that. Um, and so we're free to play around with that. I, I think myself that, I don't believe that he was the same age as Mary. I think she was younger, but um, I think he probably wasn't quite as old as he's often been depicted mm-hmm. in art or in statues and such. And I think that um, I think there's good grounds for that as well. And there's more coming out on that actually in these days. Like there's a great theologian, Dr. Brant Petrie, mm-hmm. who has done a talk on this, and he really unpacks it on a deep level. You know, with the Greek and the New Testament and mm-hmm certain writers from the first few centuries of Christianity and things like that. But I think for me, like today in this time of crisis of fundamentals, um, manhood, what does it mean to be a husband, father? Well, if you look at St. Joseph and you see him depicted younger, you see a more lively lived out, I think, holy family existence. And you see Jesus, again, if you could draw this, you would see Jesus looking to Joseph as a younger man when he's working in the workshop and Jesus wanting to shave that piece of wood like his strong younger father. You know, uh, not that an old man can't necessarily do those things, but, you know, if you look at what was required of Joseph, all the walking he had to do, all the tasks that he had to do, um, I think that the modeling of that manhood for his son, for our Savior, I think that a younger depiction kind of aids that Mm -hmm. it kind of helps that. Um, And again, that's not to say anything negative about men who are older. Of course not. But I think that maybe it's a more attractive um, way to draw men in like myself, for example, like I know 
in my youth and even now as a grown man, I, when I look at a man that I, I want to imitate, that I want to be like, it's generally men who are strong, who are physically capable of doing things. Um, and so that's how I, I kind of see St. Joseph doing that for, for Jesus. Um, so we'll find out in the end, right? Yeah. <laughs> in <heaven. laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, and you've had that inform kind of the depiction in the graphic novel. You've had mm -hmm. that inform the commissioned art that was in consecration right. to St. Joseph. Yeah. I, I, I think it's interesting, and I, I remember I, I liked the quote you had from Fulton Sheen about that. Yeah. The, and I'm forgetting the exact words, but that was a that was a lovely kind of expression of the point of all of this. Yeah, yeah. So for those listeners who are now ready to run out and buy copies of this book, who is the audience for the graphic novel? Who, What sort of age range would this be best for gifts for? Is this a First Communion gift? Is this a confirmation mm. gift? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think it's both, but I it's definitely more geared towards a younger age for, for children who, you know, comic books are very popular right now. There's, they're popping up everywhere and even more Catholic authors are, are doing them and putting them together. Mm -hmm. So it's primarily intended for, yeah, someone like First Communion or Confirmation, um, you know, in their, their tweens or, or teens even. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I have to say, you know, this particular style of art that mm -hmm. Sam Estrada has done, I think adults are going to look at it and go, mm -hmm. huh, this is pretty, this is pretty good stuff. You know, I'm, I'm learning a lot. Yeah. I'm seeing stuff. And, um, you know, I don't think a lot of adults might turn on the TV and watch a cartoon. You know, you're kind of past that when you're an adult, maybe every now and then. but, um, but in a book form, I don't know. I think that there's might be something to say that adults might, really enjoy it <laughs> okay and last question what's your favorite devotion to saint joseph oh my goodness yeah i have to say um i i, I daily pray the litany of saint joseph you know that's something very special to me but the sleeping saint joseph um you know where you, you get that statue of him depicting him asleep and you place your intentions underneath it asking him to to sleep on it, to pray on it, because we know that he talked to God and God talked to him in his sleep. I love that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm constantly writing things and and placing it under, and I have like three sleeping St. Joseph statues, yeah. so <laughs> I love it. I'm sure you get a lot of prayer requests. I do. <laughs> yeah. Plenty to bring to him. Well, all right. Thanks so much for being with us today, Father. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. To order The Chaste Heart of St. Joseph, a graphic novel by Father Donald Calloway, M.I.C., illustrated by Sam Estrada, please visit shopmercy.org. This has been Sparks of Mercy. Thanks for listening. Pray for me. I'll pray for you. Jesus, I trust in you. I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign-up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org.
That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Thank you.